0: Thanks for tuning in to the ES First Podcast. We'd love to connect with you on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. So take a minute to hop on over and give us a like or a follow. And of course, if you're ever in Excelsior Springs, stop on by. We can't wait to welcome you home. All right, I want to talk to you today about the second coming. I mean, you know, that's a beautiful subject, the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. <laughs> Mark chapter 13, verses 1 through 4 in the King James Version reads like this. And as he went out of the temple, one of his disciples said to him, Master, see what manner of stones and what buildings are here? And Jesus answered and said unto him, Seest thou these great buildings? There shall not be left one stone upon another. They shall not be thrown down. And as he sat upon the Mount of Olives over against the temple... Peter and James and John and Andrew asked him privately, Tell us, when shall these things be, and what sign shall be the sign when all these things shall be fulfilled? We've been having a lot of fun with the journey through the book of Mark. Have you been enjoying it? I don't know. How long has it been, Brandy? Three years? How long have we been in the book of Mark? I don't know, but we're uh, already up into chapter number thirteen. If you want to uh, learn how to be like Jesus, then you're not to study about the life of Jesus, right? And so we've been studying the life of Jesus. We're excited about his life all the way from the beginning of the fact that he was pre-existent with the Father. He always was, and he always will be, and uh, all the way through eternity. What a marvelous journey this has been through the book of Mark. We sure enjoy. Uh, The sermon's coming out of there. Jesus, the Son of the living God, baptized in the Jordan River by John the Baptist. Remember how long ago we talked about that? And uh, what a blessing that was. Now, that's important, the baptism of John. Jesus delivered a demon-possessed man. (laughs) Uh, That was a mess. He stopped for a moment to heal Peter's mother-in-law and immediately stopped her fever. And uh, now that's important. He cleansed people from leprosy, restored health to paralytics. He brought a withered hand back to life again. He raised some people from the dead. That's pretty important, wouldn't you say? He fed 5,000 plus with five loaves and two fishes. Walked on the water. Did you ever try that? (laughs) Tells the waves of the sea to smooth out. Immediately they did. I think that's important, don't you? This is my favorite. He had a fish come up out of the water with money in his mouth. I went fishing Friday, didn't catch any of those kind. In fact, I didn't catch any at all. Isn't that great? That's important. And, uh, but of all the things about the life of Christ and the things, the miraculous things that he did, uh, helping us to put our confidence and trust and knowledge in the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, that kind of work is elementary to where we are today in the book of Mark. Chapter 13 is where we're at in the book of Mark. It starts a brand new era, a brand new time. Today we begin that journey of the most important message in the New Testament about Jesus, and that is what great plans does he have for the future? What great things are going to happen in the future concerning us? These are serious issues. What's upcoming in heaven What's going to happen to this earth? What's happening now? Did you ever just kind of sit and wonder? I wonder what's going on in the world today. Did you ever just wonder about that? What is God's great timetable all about? What is the next great thing that's going to happen on God's great timetable? I will tell you, Mark chapter 13 begins to open up the future. It starts with the very beginning of the church age. Talks about the rapture of the church. How many of you are familiar with the rapture? With the rapture of the church? Talks about the great tribulation. How many are looking forward to spend a lot of time in that? Me either. How about the millennial reign of Christ? You interested in that one? I certainly am. And the judgment seat of God, that's going to be happening. What's next in the great timetable? Well, the next thing that is to happen is the rapture of the church. What about hell? Hmm. How do you avoid going there? That's pretty good information, wouldn't you say? What about the earth and the sky and the sun and the moon and the stars? What about all the nations? What about Israel? What about world government? What about our government? What about God's leaders, good leaders, bad leaders? What about the angels? The Bible, starting in chapter 13 of Mark, is going to talk about this. What happens with the angels? What happens with the saints? What's going to happen to the sinner? What's going to happen to all the nations of the world? What is going on right now and forevermore? This is the most exciting part of the the book of Mark is this chapter number 13. Where will we spend eternity? How many of you know that's important? Where will we spend eternity? The Bible study about the end times is called eschatology. Well, that's a big word, but it's what it's talking about. Somebody's still spelling it. There's only 14,000 letters in that, right? It's a part of theology that's concerned about the final events of history or the ultimate destiny of humanity. Commonly referred to as the end of the world, the end times, and to make it real simple for us to understand today, we simply call it Bible prophecy. I love Bible prophecy. There's some great Bible teachers, and I've drawn some. Uh, confirmations from these men in my sermon building of today. Tim LaHaye. How many of you know him? Dr. David Jeremiah. Anybody know him? How about uh, John Hagee? <laughs> I love John Hagee. Wow. First thing I came to town here, one guy asked me, what do you think about John Hagee? I said, I think he's awesome and uh, their sons are are teaching and preaching today. That's a good sign. Some of the greatest researchers on the subject, they have volumes of materials. Go on the internet, read them. It talks about the end times, eschatology, what's going to happen, what about the rapture of the church. You need to know this. And they've gathered some of the greatest uh, information uh, about the end times, and I've gleaned a lot of my uh, information today from this. A second coming of Jesus Christ is what we're talking about. And that's not only important, but this great Bible uh, subject is considered the most important part of the entire collection of Scripture. If you don't get this, you will. Hello. But I suggest getting it beforehand. Can you say amen to that? So, those of you today that understand about eschatology and about the rapture of the church, the final events of history, commonly referred to as the end of the world, the end times. Those who have made this their lifetime study, as I have, they're confident, confident, people that study this are confident that the next major event on God's prophetic calendar is the second coming of Jesus Christ, And the second coming is presented to us in two different phases. One phase is the blessed hope. The second phase of his coming is his glorious appearing. Four days before Jesus died and rose again, he gave his first prediction about his second coming, of the first stage of his second coming. We know the first stage of his second coming as the rapture of the church, known as the blessed hope. And this is what Jesus said in John chapter 14, verses 1 through 3. He says, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself. That where I am, there you may, ye may be also. Can you imagine what heaven's going to be like? You know, he what he framed the world and all this stuff in. What was it? Seven days or something like that. Six days. Went to sleep on the seventh. I don't know. No, he rested. He never sleeps. He never slumbers. Strike that. But he's a real builder. Can you imagine what Jesus has built that's taking him over 2,000 years to get it all done? Can you imagine the magnitude of that? Huh. The blessed hope. The second part of his coming back with the saints to begin his millennial reign here on planet Earth for a 1,000 years. After the great tribulation that's going to be taking place, the church will be gone. Christians will be gone. Sinners will be left behind. Christians will be gone. But we will come back after the tribulation and rule and reign with him for a thousand years on planet Earth. That part of his second coming is known as his glorious appearance. In the New Testament, out of 27 books, 23 of them talk about the Lord's return to earth. The second coming is recorded 329 times in Scriptures. And I've learned these Scriptures. I have been taught them by my mother and my father. I have learned them all the way through my life. I've followed them, and I've walked according to the Scriptures because I have in my mind and in my heart, I'm looking for the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. I'm looking for the rapture of the church to take place. My mother and my father taught me this since I was a little boy. I call this my spiritual heritage. You see, I was born in Bible college. not that great? My mom and daddy was in Bible college. How I many you know you can get pregnant in Bible college? <laughs> well, I'm here to prove it. 19th and Crocker in uh, Des Moines, Iowa. Big church there. You know about it. Yeah. That was an interesting place. I was, I was born right across the street. My mother, I went to the hospital. They took me to the hospital. I, I went to the hospital, but I didn't have a choice. <laughs> Here I came forth, bright shining as a sun, (laughs) lucky dad. They brought me back across the street from the Bible college in uh, Des Moines, Iowa, and took me up in the attic (laughs) where I lived all the rest of my days through Bible college. At age one, I started a church with my father. That's where I learned one of the most important things about church. If you can't sleep through church, it's not a good church. <laughs> one years old, I go to sleep on the, on the pew. There, there I would be. We started a church, my daddy did, the Open Bible Church in Cedar Rapids, Iowa. I was one years old. After my daddy graduated, he took us to Toledo, Ohio. And uh, there he became an associate pastor. And uh, in this church, I remember it to today, it was like kind of a, it was a cement uh, basement type church, and they hadn't built the top on it yet, and they had a big uh, ramp going down for wheelchairs, cement ramp, and my little sister, the hot rod that she was, she used to love to ride her tricycle down that. You know, you know how kids run around here after church, during church? You know, you go down in children's church, it's a mess. No, it's great. And boy, she's going down there just lickety-split down that ramp, bites her little tricycle, did a flip, and knocked out her two front teeth. Isn't that wonderful? She's already given two front teeth to the ministry. So my sister has falsies. Now, uh, that was in Toledo, Ohio, That was where the pastor there was a really weird guy. He was a single pastor. Nothing wrong with single pastors, but this guy was weird. And uh, uh, his wife had passed away, actually. And uh, my sister and I, we would go in the kitchen, and that's in the early days of Coca-Cola, when Coca-Cola really tastes like Coca-Cola, you know, the kind you can put a nail in and it would melt the nail, that, that Coca-Cola. And you remember those? You remember how fun it is to take that bottle and just shake it up like this and take your thumb off? That's what we did in the pastor's parsonage, and we had Pepsi-Cola, Coca-Cola all over the ceiling. That was a good church. We enjoyed that. Uh, I don't know if that's the reason we had to leave or not, but anyhow, we weren't there anymore. Uh, Then uh, after that, we went to Johnsville, Ohio. Oh, that was a wonderful church there, and that's where uh, I... Was fortunate to be able to train a kindergarten teacher how to have patience. I started school there in Johnsville, Ohio, and what, and then from there we went to Arcanum, Ohio. And I remember uh, my dad pastoring in Arcanum, and uh, the the church, uh, the house that we rented was right in the middle of a field with a potato chip factory there. And my sister and I used to go over there and steal potato chips all the time. That's a preacher's kid for you. And then we went to Bloomfield, Iowa, and that's where I met my wife, Nancy Joe. She was in diaper, no, she was four years old. Okay, so I was in high school, big deal. Don't make a big deal out of this. Bloomfield, Iowa. Ah, that's where I met Nancy Joe. In fact, she's sitting next to her best friend from uh, Bloomfield, Iowa, where my daddy was the pastor back in 1954. I won't tell you how long it's been, but it's been a while. Hey, then we went to Rabbit Ridge. <laughs> I loved Rabbit Ridge, That was I was about 10 or 12 years old, I don't know how old I was, but we learned to sit on the back row. Hi, everybody on the back row up there. God bless you. And uh, we learned to sit on the back row and we had good rubber bands, and we made spit wads. And you know, you know what kids do in church nowadays—they just sit there and play on their their computers. But uh, we we used to <laughs> during the prayer, many of you sit on the back and shoot little rubber bands, and hit people in the back of the head while they were praying. They thought it was mosquitoes. That, anyhow, that was Rabbit Ridge, good name for that church. And then from there, we moved to San Diego, California. Wow. There I joined up with the Otis skilling Singers and uh, went to uh, a a nationwide contest out in uh, uh, Illinois or Indiana, Indiana, uh, out there. And on the way back from Indiana, I got out of the car and I was, uh, I don't know, 17 years old. They said, let me out. I'm going to walk home. I was out here in uh, Missouri, and my home was in San Diego. (laughs) They said, you're going to walk home? I said, yeah, I'm going to walk home. (laughs) And and so anyhow, I said, I I got some business to take care of. What I didn't know was I was right on 63 and Highway 70. There was was an old-fashioned gas station there. And uh, yeah, I got out, and I knew that 63 Highway went right straight to Bloomfield. I knew Nancy Joe lived there, so I got out. And I hitchhiked all the way to up there and found out she had another boyfriend. So anyhow, that's the way it goes. But while I was there, I got a call that said I had been accepted into the uh, Bible College in Eugene, Oregon, and so I needed to get out to Eugene, Oregon, as quickly as possible. So I jumped on the highway. I don't know if it was Highway 30 or whatever. I stuck my thumb out and hitchhiked to San Diego, California. I don't recommend doing that, but uh, that's what I did. And then from, uh, from there, my daddy started a, went to a church in Stockton, California, interesting place. From there, he went to Roseburg, Oregon, where the goats would get up on the mountain. If you've ever been out there, you know that uh, when it was going to rain, they would uh, go down, and when it was going to be sunshine, they would go up the mountain. That's how you could tell what was happening in Oregon, a strange Place to live. And uh, then back to Stockton, California, then on to Lewiston, Idaho, where they, they catch great big monster fish down there in the river. But the main message that I learned as a child going to church with my mama and daddy all this time was He's coming soon. He's coming soon. He's coming soon. Sometimes we forget to preach a lot about that, but He's coming soon. He's coming soon. You remember that song? He's coming soon. Remember that? He's most of you never heard this. This is before you kids were even thought of. He's coming soon. Sounds like the theme song for Hawaii. Ooh, ooh. I have a friend that became a sailor. He went into the Navy. And while he was in the Navy, he got into a position of being a Navy doctor. And during the war, or whatever it was, he was sent to Hawaii to spend his time as a doctor on a ship full of female sailorettes. What do they call them? They weren't wackos. They were wavos or something like that. What were they? Waves? And he told me one day, he said, hey, I was on this ship, and I was the doctor, and all these women were on the ship, and that was my job. And I said, rough job, right? What do you have to do to get on that? (laughs) So what do you do on that? You uh, sign up to go in the Navy? He says, I got off the ship in Hawaii, and I thought the whole nation was a Christian because they were playing that music. He's coming soon. He's coming. I said, that wasn't he's coming soon. That was... The national song of Where it was. So I learned about Jesus is coming back soon. All the years of my life, I've heard this message. And every time I heard the message as a kid, my eyes would get bigger around as saucers. The main message. My mother taught me to say this prayer. If I should die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. Now, that'll get your attention if you're just a little booger. If I should die before I wake. And then they say, they give you the rock-a-bye, baby, when the tree breaks and falls Isn't that glorious? It'll get your attention as a kid. Yeah, I knew Jesus was coming back. I knew that. My daddy, in those days, building an early church, he would, we had a big barn, a great big white barn, and he would get movies. On Saturday night, he would put movies on the side of the barn about World War II, boom, fire, brimstone, airplanes. Hello, my eyes are getting big around the saucers. And then on Sunday morning, he would get up and he would preach. The rapture of the church is going to take place. Do not be left behind. For surely if you are, you are going to go straight to How I many know I got saved every Sunday morning? Yeah, it was fun. My mother would get up and she would take her guitar and dad would play on his violin. Oh, that was a mess. No, my dad was a symphony of violinist. My mother was a country picker. And she would see, sing this song. You know what it is, Roberta. There's going to be a meeting in the air, it's sweet, sweet by and by. I'm gonna meet you over there, at home beyond the sky. What's singing there will hear, never heard by mortal ears. Be glorious, I do declare. For God's own son will be the leading one in the meeting in the air. Are you gonna to go to heaven or are you gonna to go to hell? Big old eyes, I choose heaven. It would stand us up on the platform in the what they called the children's orchestra. And I would play. You seen the little what is that little bunny with the drums? Huh? Who was it? The Energizer. I would stand up here. Only a boy named David. <laughs> Only a rippling brook. Five little stones he took. You know that? One little prayer went up to God, and the giant came tumbling down. And then we sing, when you're up, you're up, and when you're down, you're down. When you're only halfway up, you're neither up or down. I know all about church. And then every time, you know, I read the list of the churches that my daddy pastored, and many of them he built a physical building like this one. And uh, every time it was time to leave, we would all ball our eyes out. We would sit down on the platform down here, and Daddy and Mommy would always sing, God be with you till we meet again. And everybody's crying, you know. Till we meet. I thought, don't sing that stupid song. but We sang it every time we left the church. Every time we went to the next church, God be with you till we meet again. He's coming soon. He's coming soon. When the roll is called up yonder, I'll be there. Some golden day break, Jesus will come. Oh, man, that'll get you. Some golden daybreak, battles all won. We'll shout the victory, break through the blue, some golden day break for me, for you. And then we drive down the highway, look up in the sky clouds everywhere and a beautiful gleam of sunlight and I always wondered is he coming back right now it looks so beautiful mama was saying back of the clouds the sun is always shining see this thing about the rapture of the church my friend is real this thing about eternity, wherever you spend eternity, it's, it's a real thing. Today, Jesus is writing a lot of new songs. There's a bunch of people in this world today that honestly, truly believe that God quit writing music in 1936. Because if the song ain't in that hymnal, it ain't no good. Well, let me tell you why we don't use hymnals anymore. Because God is so busy writing new music. It's new every morning. It's fresh every morning. It's brilliant. It's according to the Word of God. And the book writers of the 1930s couldn't keep up with it, so they just quit. They don't write them anymore. Now we just put them on the wall. Aren't you glad that God is writing new music every single day of your life? Hallelujah! Oh, that's you aren't excited. You don't even, you know, you don't, you don't even hear me this morning. Well, because of that kind of teaching, let me tell you something. My father-in-law Ray's there in heaven. Inez is there. Eileen is there. My Nancy Joe's wife, her daddy Joe, that used to take me fishing back there in Bloomfield, he's there in heaven. My little brother Jimmy's there. Carol is there. Ha, Gene is there, my mama's there, my daddy's there, my grandmother's there, my grandfather's there. Hello, I can't hardly wait for the rapture of the church so we can have that grand reunion. One day, Jesus is coming back. Can you say amen to that? The rapture of the church. What a family reunion this is going to be. Ah, but there's a catch to it. The date and the time of the rapture itself is unknown to us. Jesus said this in Matthew 24 that day and that hour, no man knows. The angels of heaven don't even know, Jesus said. I don't know, Jesus said, but my Father only knows. My daddy signed a covenant when he was a teenager. He said, I will not go to movies. I will not shoot pool. I I will not bowl. I will not go dancing. Hello. Of course, you know me. I broke all those rules. I said to my dad one time, Dad, movies aren't all that bad. Tom Mix. Roy Rogers, Dell Evans, you ought to see Trigger. One day they put out a documentary that said, We have found the Noah's Ark. And they put out a documentary in my dad's eyes, you know, he's a historian. He figured out just how many inches square the New Jerusalem is and all this kind of stuff. He knows all that. And he said, You know, I would like to see that, not a movie, son. It's not a movie. It's a documentary on Noah's Ark. I would like for you to take me to that. So I took him to Noah's Ark, and he's behind me going like this. Went to the movie house, and on the way out, he goes, phew. And he said, you know why I don't ever go in these places? He said, because if it's sin and if God's not pleased with it and the rapture of the church would take place while I was sitting there, I think I'd miss the rapture. I don't know. Jesus said, Come out from the world and be separated. Touch not the unclean thing. He also said, Unto those that are looking for me will I return the second time and receive you unto myself. He said, He's coming back for a church that is without spot, without blemish, without wrinkle. Well, (laughs) I'm in trouble with the wrinkles. There are so many scriptures in the Bible that make reference to the second coming of Christ. Some are referring to the first part, which is the rapture of the church, and the rest of them are references to His glorious appearing, which will take place after the seven years of the great tribulation ushering in the millennial reign of Christ. And so this message is so important for us today to understand and to live our life accordingly. And so what practical application? I've given three practical applications that we can derive from these Scriptures. Number one, it spurs us on to be living a life of holiness. For He said in the Word, without holiness... It is impossible to please God. We cannot see God, especially in a world that's increasingly unholy in these times where anything goes. And if you stand for God, and if you stand for that which is right, you're a weirdo because the whole world has put their stamp of a approval on Satan's business, and he says, it's okay, just do it. Everybody is. And the Bible teaches very clearly, we have to be very careful, that this mentality of Satan and the Antichrist doesn't slip into your heart, your home, your family, and worst of all, your church. And so when we understand the second coming of Jesus Christ, we understand the importance of being faithful and the importance of being busy about the master's business. The second thing that it spurs us on to is evangelism. If we really believe in the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, we will be concerned about getting our loved ones into the house of the Lord where they can learn about Jesus and give their life in submission and servanthood unto His Lordship. If we believe in the second coming that people without Christ are going to die and go to hell, we'll be busy about spreading the gospel instead of just bringing our little brand new SUV to church and having a great cup of coffee during service. My question today is how many pews have you filled? How many of your relatives are going to hell in a handbasket and you could give a rip less? How many of your neighbors are out there mowing their lawn today, washing their God? Hello. Spending their hours warming up a fishworm for the next bite. If you believe in the second coming of Christ, you'll be busy about evangelism. And you'll be busy about making sure everybody that comes across your path is going to hear and know that Jesus is coming soon. It's not just the theme song of Hawaii. Say amen. And then third and last, it it increases our vision for us to be involved in worldwide evangelism in missions He says, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature, first in Jerusalem, then in Judea, and then to Samaria, and then all the uttermost parts of the earth. If you understand the urgency of the second coming of Jesus Christ, you will be involved in worldwide missions. So let me give you a list. Many of you don't have any clue how many missionaries this church supports every month. We have a little thing here. Little this is where you you put your tithes and your offerings. And you mark on there, well that's my tithe, that's 10% and I'm going to give some to missions. Some of you know about this. We haven't talked about it a lot. So many of you aren't expected to know about it until now. <laughs> and that is that Many of us give every single month, we give some money toward missions. It goes into a missions account. And let me tell you what we do with that money. We send monthly support to Chris and Debbie Bowser in Peru. We support University of Missouri Chi Alpha, which is the college students there, through Elizabeth Campbell every month. We support John Davis, and I think his wife is Gay, is it Gay, is that her name? John and Gay Davis, good friends of ours. They are missionaries to the United States national American Indians. John Elliott and Don Elliott. In Zambia, that's the ones Brandon goes to Africa and ministers with over there. We support them every month. Keith Garner. You remember Brother Garner used to be the district superintendent here in uh, Northern Missouri District. His son Keith is a friend of ours. He's ministering in the Philippine Islands. We send him money every month. Uh, Harv, Kim Harvey is is in the Convoy of Hope every time they have, like, a hurricane or a flood or something like that. Kim Harvey and his wife, whatever her name is, they get in their little Convoy of Hope, and they go deliver groceries and food and all this kind of stuff. We support them every month. How about in Ch- uh, Qinghai, China, in Tibet, Li Sean, uh, in Qinghai, China, we support him every month in China. We're trying to learn Chinese. You know how what you can do. You get one of those little uh, cookies, the fortune cookie. You open it up. You forget reading that. Look on the back and learn how to speak Chinese so you can minister to them when they come here. Uh, Carla Marroquin, she goes all over the nation and different places like the Super Bowl and all that where they war against, fight against uh, sex trafficking of, the, of, of teenagers and all that stuff. Frank Mays, he goes all over the world. He builds a libraries in a missions field, and he digs water wells for the, the missionaries there Paul Robinson used to be in, he's in Columbia he's invited me to go over there and preach with him he's uh, used to be a deacon in this church John you know uh, Paul Robinson and uh, he's in Columbia and uh, Velvet summer used to be in this church she's at the Dominican Republic we support her every month and Dew Winston uh, the in LA UCLA a friend of Brandon's he's in the college ministry there we support him every month we support them so anytime you put money in there. says missions. We throw it in that fund, and we send it to all those missionaries. Would you give our missionaries a great big hand? (laughs) We sent Brandon to Africa two times, and he came back. Isn't that great? He's going to take at least 30 of you in this church to… Where are you going? Israel. You going to what is, what is that over there? Jerusalem? Is that where you're going? Is that where Jesus hung out? If you want to go with Brandon to Jerusalem, hello. Get signed up. That good? He's going in what? February? Well good. We'll be freezing back here, and you'll be over there sweating. <laughs> Bullets. <laughs> Anyhow, uh, you might want to go to Israel with Brandon. We're sending from ES First a bunch of people. How many people are you taking to Belize? Uh, 19, Nineteen of this congregation are going to Belize. And they're going to build a school there. Isn't that good? We had a staff meeting and we said, you know, we got a lot of building to do around here. What are we going to do to get it done? Brandon says, why don't we take them to Belize, teach them how to build a school, and when they come back here, they'll work on this building. Amen? No, I'm just kidding. We are now in the process of raising $5,000 to build part of that building over there. Other churches are joining with us. We're going to take $5,000 because in Belize, you can only go to school till you're age 13. And so the church there has established a school for grades 9 through 12 and also a trade school and a Bible college there. And we're going to go do some hands-on, and we're going to build there. Phil Ridemeyer and I, one of our former college pastors here in this church, Went to El Salvador, and we painted uh, the prayer castle there up on the mountain after the earthquake of El Salvador. We painted that. Nancy Joe went to El Salvador without me. <laughs> I don't know where she went. <laughs> Brandon, he went to Venezuela. Inner city Chicago inner city Atlanta. Allison, didn't you go to France or somewhere? Where'd you go? Did you go to Paris? Yeah, that was a tough mission trip, wasn't it? Oh, my goodness. Missions are important. You see, if you believe in the second coming of Jesus Christ, you're going to do more than just what you think you need to do right here in front of your own eyes. And so, we've spent... Thousands of dollars to the homeless ministry in Los Angeles. We've gone to Los Angeles, inner city LA, six times to the Dream Center to go down on the streets of the inner city Los Angeles with people who are lost and undone and think nobody cares. We care. Why? Because those people are sitting there in a cardboard box. We believe that their name needs to come up at the rapture of the church where they can get out of that cardboard box and go to a better place. Can you say amen to that? We believe that.